The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Friday, June 26th. Happy birthday to me. We're going to wrap up uh, our all 32 series. This is technically the penultimate uh, episode because John Breach is going to talk to Vic Tafer about the Arizona Cardinals later this afternoon. But to oh, excuse me, the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, let's get it right. Uh, clearly, I didn't stay up doing anything on my the night before my birthday to talk about the Arizona Cardinals right now with me, good friend of the program, uh, somebody I've known for a long time, actually, Will Leach at William F. Leach on Twitter, uh, purveyor of many words in many places. Mr. Leach, how you doing? Very well. Happy birthday. Thank you. You are, uh, I think, still the preeminent Cardinals fan. I mean, there's not. So, we, you know, we were talking about, we were talking about this on uh, on. All right, well, okay, we talked about this for Monday show, which will come out, uh, obviously Monday, and we were pre-recorded it ahead of the weekend, but we were, we were ranking, like, if you had to, if you, if somebody who lived in England, it was like becoming an NFL fan, we're saying the Cardinals are a pretty good team to latch onto because you have Kyler Murray and you have this young nucleus of players and there's sort of an exciting future, but there's no history of great success. So you can jump on without people calling you a bandwagoner and, like if I were, if I, were, I mean, I, Kyler Murray's in the top ten of guys I'm probably drafting if I'm starting a franchise right now. Is that crazy? I don't, no, I don't think so. And like another thing about being a fan of the Arizona Cardinals too is not only they have no history, like no one, like I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan because I grew up in the Midwest when they were in St. Louis right. and stuck with them when they left because I couldn't get mad at them for leaving because I don't live in St. Louis anymore either. <laughs> so, uh, but it's weird because that you get no points for that. Most people just think you're an idiot. Like there's no reason to stick right, with that team right. so long. So. You you can just hop in, uh, hop in with me. I think you're probably the most famous Arizona Cardinal fan. Uh, I, uh, it's probably, uh, John Hamm. I would say John or Blake oh. Shelton. Blake Shelton or Shelton or John Hamm. Or probably. That's, that's pretty big. I guess, yeah. I guess, cause Hamm is a, a new, he, a fellow, a he's a fellow St. Louis guy, right? Fellow St. Yeah. Louis guy. He's in a fantasy he, football he, league with like Dave Damashek and, and the cousin Sal and Simma. It's, it's a very, it's he very is a hand just sort of lurks in the. He does. Block. He was a dead spin commenter lurker uh, way uh, back in the day. Really? That was that was actually how I met him. That was actually how I met him. He emailed me right after he was he was apparently a dead spin commenter with a with a username that had Bidwell in it. 
actually. Uh, which I discovered so years later. Are you later. and Ham on like texting terms? I mean, we like, are because we're Cardinal fans, because we're big St. Louis right. Cardinal fans. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we, we certainly, he, the late Foley's bar in New York, that was a big sad thing that just yeah. closed. That was the Cardinals bar, uh, in New York State. So he and, and, uh, and, uh, Andy Cohen, uh, who fellow Cardinals fan, they were often always there. And, uh, so yeah, so I've, I got to know him a little bit strictly in Cardinals, uh, in, like in Andy Cardinals. Cohen of Bravo? Yeah, he's a huge, he's also huge a Cardinals fan. fan. He, of course, wow. you, you, see, you ever seen the backdrop of his set? It's all St. Louis Arch and Cardinals stuff. I, I must they, confess, they, they, I have not watched much uh, Andy Cohen show, but you should, you should. It's, it's I probably people, should. It's it's just like America, people screaming at each other. <laughs> um, do, you, do you find that like you're you're far more uh, like that you enjoy somebody's like work or programs more if they if they like the same team that you do? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's, like, that's like, undeniably like, true. <laughs> yeah, like, like nothing John Hamm can do is bad, because, and, and not much that he does is bad, but like nothing he can do is bad. You're going to enjoy it a little bit more than most people. Yeah, Blake Shelton is not my style of music to any stretch of the imagination, but it probably can't be that bad. He's there as a Cardinals fan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So, okay, sorry. Yes, Kyler Murray. Oh, For, it's fine. Yeah, the, Kyler Murray is, I don't, I don't know where he, I think he's a sneaky MVP candidate this year. I think that's kind of crazy, but I mean, what did you, what did you take away from his rookie year? Was it enough where you're like, okay, cause I mean, like it feels like it erased the Rosen mistake entirely. Yeah. And it's also kind of remarkable too. I mean, you know, we remember it wasn't that long ago where we thought, wow, it's going to take a while for this rookie quarterback to figure out things. Even if he holds the job from the beginning, I know that they're starting more from the, from the beginning of those careers now, but still there's always this transition period. The thing about Murray, and of course, a lot of this, uh, is because, uh, you know, they, the, the Kingsbury clearly wanted him and thought he was the perfect guy to run his system. But Murray, from the get-go, they're like, this is your team. Do your thing, man. And really, he was very comfortable kind of from the beginning. He had a stretch, I think, five, six games where he didn't throw an interception. Uh, he and from the beginning, the whole offense, they all just felt comfortable immediately with him running. And now he made mistakes. He's a rookie quarterback. There were things that he didn't do as well. Uh, and it's funny. One of the things I, well, we can talk about Kingsbury, but one of the things I think was kind of impressing, uh, impressive about him was he, for this idea, like it's going to be five wide. He's going to throw the ball like crazy. For a large stretch of the season, this was a very run-heavy team, uh, yeah. and, and it was smartly. And I don't, th- I don't know if that's what Kingsbury necessarily likes to do, but I think it speaks to how kind of adaptive he is. And you know, if anything, Murray was almost too hesitant to take off and run. Sometimes I think that's what you'll see the improvement. In. And again, obviously, he has a better wide, re- uh, a star wide receiver now. So yeah, it's. I think there's very a lot of reason to be excited. And from the get go, as soon as he got there, the team just loved him and followed him uh, resolutely from really the first snap. Yeah, the thing with Kingsbury is like they ranked 18th in passing attempts. And 19th in rushing attempts. Like it was a very balanced. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as explosive as I think people thought it would be. And it wasn't as fast paced either. It almost felt like Kingsbury knew if he tried to come in and just, just do what he did at Texas Tech that it wasn't going to work. And I, I think he's probably right. But I mean, the air raid is, you know, the, the construct is that you, you know, it's not like you want to be balanced. I, I, I think he, I think he purposely wanted to be more balanced than, he would have been at Texas Tech or than you are at college football because it makes, it's a huge difference. Like the, ha- the hashes are wider. You have more room to spread out and you're, you're going up against, you know, more often than not, like a guy who's not going to end up in the NFL. You can, you can find exploitable matchups at the college level much more easy, much, much easier than you can at the NFL level. And I think that's sort of part of the problem and why you want to try and create this run game that the passing game then feeds off of. And it felt like maybe even the, the, they sort of, I, I think Kingsbury and, and Kyler 
both ramped up. And I don't know if that David getting David Johnson out of getting Kenyon Drake in necessarily flipped the switch almost as much as like it took them a little while to get acclimated. Like I thought Kingsbury was I was really worried about him early in the season. Like he he was kicking every time in the red zone. He he seemed scared and hesitant. It was like this is not the like when I see Cliff Kingsbury, I'm thinking like swashbuckling, you know, Ray-Ban wearing, loafer kicking, what batser dude who's going to go nuts out there on the field. And he, he was he was very conservative almost. You know, one thing that Kingsbury has talked about, one of the biggest mistakes he made last year, remember during the preseason when their offense was nothing? And his whole thing was like, we're not showing our cards. We're going to blow yeah. you away when we get out there. And he now says he regrets that. Like he yeah. should have used the, used the preseason to try some, some things out and to, say, and to actually show a little bit he kept every, he i think his actual quote was like i've really just kind of outsmarted myself and so <laughs> we kind of got uh we got we got overwhelmed early because they didn't have enough reps and really that was what you saw both murray and kingsbury getting more reps in the nfl that was when you saw them start to get better and then frankly it's something he thinks that they should have done more in preseason to me this is what i like most about kingsbury i think he is an innovator and i think he, he he's, he's he's a smart guy for the stuff but the thing i'm most impressed by he is not a, uh, he's not a zealot. Like he's very, like he adapted as the season went on. He did not be like, Oh, this isn't working. Well, you know what? Doggone it. I'm going to make it work. Like I, he, I coached at Texas Tech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he was really coached at Texas Tech. Damn it. We're running this system. And for, and for, for the record, for a guy that was brought in because of his like, like he's got this system and it's going to work. And, and, uh, and then we have to hire him to be the head coach because someone will make him an offensive coordinator. We can't lose that kind of genius on this right. team. There's a humility to him that I frankly was not expecting. And, as you well know, is not something you see that often in the NFL <laughs> among coaches. And I think it works. I think it works for him to not just have that kind of understanding of, okay, this isn't working. Let's try the idea that he would run the ball so much. I do think Drake made a big, uh, made a big difference. Johnson yes. was, Johnson was like, he's washed, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was not a good, and I love David Johnson. Like I thought like he is a very likable guy and a good person. I felt it was a good fit. But it's just he's just not been the same since that since that injury, and it doesn't look like he's ever going to come back. Okay, so that the I don't want to get too caught up in like you know rehashing 2019 because it is sort of a, a look at like the craziest moment by far this offseason. I don't know if you heard our we did a we were doing a podcast during free agency, and we happened to be recording when the David Johnson trade was announced, and we lost our collective bleep. Uh, in the middle of it. And then, then we, then we found it was, it was insane because it, it was like David Johnson's trade, like the Cardinals traded David Johnson. That's a great deal. It's like, what did they get in return? Oh, right. You know, like they gave up a, it's like, I can't remember, I can't remember what the, it's like, oh, you know, the, the Texans are going to pay a salary. It's like, wow, great deal for the Cardinals. It was like, and, but wait, there's more. They also got DeAndre Hopkins for a <laughs> yeah. second round pick. It was like, what? Like they, that was, that was by far the non Corona related craziest moment of the offseason. Oh, it was great. And it was also exactly that. It was, it was around the time where, uh, like that and Brady were like the, the like yeah. stimulus packages for the sports talk radio, uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in the middle of this time. They're like, Oh my God, thank you. We needed this so bad. Yeah. I have to say as someone that's watched the Arizona Cardinals since, since they were the St. Louis Cardinals and, uh, and the big red and Neil Lomax and Jim Hart, uh, <laughs> usually the Cardinals are on the other side of trades like this. Right. So, uh, it was definitely, a, it wasn't, and it's funny. It's hard to feel 
like, listen, Kime has made some great decisions and Kime has made some bad decisions. I almost, I can't really go like, hey, way to go, Kime, on this. Like, if there's, if okay. there's like, if there's an apple from a tree, you take it because it's <laughs> right there. And so, yeah, it was definitely bewildering. And I don't, uh, like, I don't know what the Texans, I know that they had issues with, with Hopkins. I, and listen, it's not like the Cardinals have completely figured out the contract situations that soured so much of Hopkins with the, with, te- with the Texans anyway. But who cares? We'll figure that out later. Uh, it's, almost, it's almost like a like it's one of those things where it's so obvious who won the trade that you're like, is are, am I am I is it is is there some like 4D chess thing that Bill O'Brien's playing here that I'm not like you you know what I mean like you're trying to look like where is the where is the the catch is there like there has to be Listen, some catch Hopkins right? is I mean Hopkins is a little older like you know it's not like he's a speed guy anyway you know I mean yeah. like this is and so maybe you I can understand why Hopkins and the Texans had come to a point where it was time to go I think everybody understands that but if this was all you could get I I mean I just don't believe that could possibly be true I, I know. <laughs> and. So to me, that's the issue. The issue is not so much that, like, why would they give away one of the top five players in football for nothing? Well, he's not one of the top five players in football, but he's a great great wide receiver, and it feels like you should be able to get something. And he's also perfect for what for what the what the Cardinals need. And listen, they yep. uh, you know they have guys like Andy Isabella, like they they have the burners, like they they've not really been able to un- yeah, yeah, they got, yeah. They got the speeder, yeah. And they've not really been able to unlock those just yet. Hopkins feels to me like someone that can unlock those guys. And and and, and listen, it's like, Fitzgerald is great. He, he he's good for like. There were a couple of times last year where they had to okay, just throw him the slant pass to keep the streak going. Just get the pass <laughs> and let him fall down. Like that's fine. But like there were other times where there was he would have a moment where you're like, oh right, that's Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. And uh, to me, uh, those moments aren't as much fun when your team is five ten and one. Right. But they can be very fun if you're in a playoff chase. And I think people will feed off. So I think Fitz, who I think he's generally gotten better about accepting like you know where he is in the pecking order. I think Hopkins will help that. I think it just makes it every thing easier for everyone. All those guys seem to really fit well together in terms of plopping a bunch of receivers out there and making life difficult. The offensive line looks like it's improved. I, I, I don't under, I don't, I think it would be really, really disappointing if this offense didn't take a big step forward. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk defense. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, The designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. So the Cardinals, I think people were a little nervous that the Cardinals took Isaiah Simmons in the first round because uh, a few years ago, 2017, the Cardinals took Hassan Reddick. And they probably would have taken Patrick Mahomes if he had fallen one more spot, which, you know, now that you have Kyler Murray, is a lot easier to stomach. They love, they love, I think, I think they liked Watson. I know they love Mahomes. Um, but I think people are worried about Isaiah Simmons because of Hassan Reddick. And I think that's unfair. Do you agree? Yeah. And, you know, the only thing that worries me about Simmons is, I mean, he's obviously great, but like, you know, the, the they were so bad at covering the tight end last year. <laughs> like that yeah. that was the thing that just destroyed them consistent like they they're often the defense was not great anyway, but the tight end just destroyed them consistently all yeah. season. And like it felt like tech mobile. Of course just like wow you could just <laughs> throw it to Cap Bozo every play and it'll be fine. And um and so it was very, very frustrating. 
Simmons feels like in addition to all the other things that Simmons can do, it feels like a direct answer to that is mm-hmm. like, that's where like that, that's that to me is what they'd like to, I think it's why they're going to let him like, they're not going to force him into a spot. I think they're going to let him roam a little bit. And I think a lot of it is to stop, is to stop that tight end play. So I think, cause that, that got them a lot. You know, remember last year too, remember Peterson was out for the first six games uh, yep. last year and it took him like another four or five games. By the end of the year, he was, he had it going again. Uh, but for the first, really for the first two thirds of the year, he wasn't, he was either not there or not himself. And you saw the, all the problems that put around in the secondary. So that was an issue too. I also think though that, yeah, this is another again talking about kind of Kingsbury's evolution on this. This is the the plan for the defense is not. That's right. We're just it's gonna be like college. We're gonna score so many points that it's not even gonna matter. Uh, that's clearly they they not not to say that was entirely their strategy last year, but they are uh, they have addressed it a lot in the off season in a way that that uh, looks frankly like the way a grown up would handle the situation, which is exciting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they draft Simmons. Uh, Chandler Jones is obviously there. He's maybe. The- I don't want to say the most underrated defender, but I mean, he just didn't get the love for a guy who puts up 15 plus sacks every year. Uh, I think, I think the interesting thing, and they had, uh, Devondre Campbell, Jordan Hicks. Um, to me, what's interesting is that, and they actually get Jordan Phillips and, and Corey Peters on the inside too. So that's like a kind staple to go out and get these veterans that are, you know, sort of mid-level and have played really well, but you don't know if they're going to be great. And then they, they tend to break out. He's, he's had success doing that. To me, if it does take, if they can't take a step forward and you have to assume that they will given the additions or that they can, they have the upside to it. Is this the toughest division of football and where do the Cardinals slot in? Yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? Is, and this is always the thing with the NFC West, right? It's either the best division of football or the worst division of football. <laughs> and like it's, it's kind of middle cons- ground. Yeah, it's kind of consistently that. And uh, like, I feel like this team is so the mo- heavy favorite to win the 2008 NFC West. Like this team <laughs> would wipe out the 2008 NFC West. But, uh, now, yeah, it's, it's, it is certainly, it's certainly a challenge, but you know, I mean, that's, that to me, that's one of the reasons that I felt like Kime felt like he had to swing big with Kingsbury in the first place, right? Yeah. Like this was not something where you were gonna uh, incrementally catch up with those guys. Like you either had to swing big, particularly, and for a guy who's frankly his job was probably in a little bit of trouble, it was probably Absolutely. the prudent thing to do uh, yeah. was was to take the the big swing. And to me, the thing that's exciting about the Cardinals is it's nice having Hopkins. You want to see Fitz do better, but like. This is, again, it all comes back to the fact that they have Murray. When yeah. you have Murray, what you want to – like, I think this could be a playoff t- – I think this could be a playoff team this year. However, what you really want is to see Murray take the next step because now this – hopefully this season works out great. And, and even if they – but as long as they improve – you still have Murray for a while now. And listen, I understand that like Murray is cheaper than he'll be later. You've got more room to be able to do stuff uh, uh, money-wise when, uh, when, he, when he's on, on the rookie contract. But like this is – you, you want forward movement. You want up uh, – and are they better than the 49ers? No, I don't think they are better than the 49ers. Right. Uh, but, you know, if the Rams take a – like I can see the, like, the Rams, they're a little in a middle area. The Seahawks really kind of – like the, they always kind of surprise you a little bit. But, like, you know, it does feel if one or two of those teams take a step back, the Cardinals are positioned to pass them. But – is it possible they go nine and seven? Uh, is it possible they are a lot better than last year, but go seven and nine? I think that's possible. So, the, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, there are 
exactly five players who have uh, lower super lower MVP odds than Kyler Murray at this point. He's down to fifteen to one. That is, I think that there is probably con- some concern in the Cardinals front office and the Cardinals organization. It's like it's like, hey, look, we are we are going in the right direction, and I think they all feel the same way you do. Like it, we have we have solved the answer at quarterback, but they're like, are we? We're not the two thousand. We're not the 2020 Browns from 2019, are we? Like we like we traded for like this <laughs> right, wide receiver. Right. Yeah. We have this Oklahoma quarterback in his second year. Uh, everybody is hyping us up. He's getting great super like MVP odds. I mean, I think I think that might be a little bit of concern. They, I mean, they're even with the Rams at six to one to win the division, which is kind of crazy. The 49ers are minus 125, Seahawks plus 350. I, I mean, I I would pick. I mean, I'll probably do something stupid and pick the Cardinals to win the division. I think it's very possible. I, I just you, you picked them to win the Super Bowl uh, a year late, a couple of years ago. If memory serves, if I, I picked them, yeah, the seven, eight, and one year. So that's yeah, my, that's my right, bad. Yeah. Might be on that. That was so, actually for Syrians. That was me. So please don't, please don't pick that. Please don't pick. You're right. I, I, will, I, I know. I was, I was gonna. But I will I say want this. to pick the Cardinals, but I don't want to ruin the Cardinals because I, I will I, also say one advantage that I think the Cardinals have over the Browns is a the Browns clearly had obvious dysfunction that was going on also, uh, in, uh, in a lot of ways. Coach. Yeah, and but also the Cardinals, like they have the same system and the same people in charge of it that they did last year. Like they, like this. If the, uh, I'll put it this way, if the offense does not keep humming, either someone's gotten hurt, or the, then then everything we think we know about all of this about the people in charge of this. Well, and, but that's that's the that's the thing that went under. So and you're you're 100 correct. Like because we had Mary Kay Cabot on this podcast before last season. She's like, I was like, so what's the deal? You know, they're running the same offense they ran last year to make Baker happy. She's like, actually, they're installing an entirely new offense. It's going to blend the air raid from, or like the Oklahoma system along with a bunch of Freddie Kitchens uh, preferred plays. It's like, well, that seems stupid. Like, you, you really going to do that in the first year? Okay, right, go for it. And Baker took a huge step back and Freddie Kitchens was terrible. Cliff Kingsbury is, is, should not, like, there's no reason why Cliff Kingsbury should suddenly just be worse than he was last year. You know, th- there's yeah. consistency there. And I think consistency is huge, huge in this off season where we don't know if there's going to be training camp and we don't know how many, if there are going to be any preseason games, like you you need to have all these things in place that were already in place. And it helps that I think it's a simplified system for, for Kyler that he's going to deal with in, in that area too. You know, like he's not, he's not mastering. It's like Dak Prescott having to learn Mike McCarthy's system. It's a totally, it's a totally different scenario. I mean, there's a reason Todd Munkin is in here in Athens now and <laughs> not yeah, yeah. In- Cleveland anymore, right? And so, like, that was a, and, 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 but nobody blames him, right? Like, it's just, it was just this mess and all of this stuff. Well, maybe some people blame him, but I, I don't think he's seen as the main culprit, uh, uh, in all of that. And that's all right. This is like, there is the old, the, the main things that the offense has to do is, have the is get the new offensive uh figure out the offensive line which again there are pieces there they are they're all the same age and figure and get hopkins worked in the offense which i don't think anyone is sweating too much so other than that you've got everything locked into place and set up to the point where an offense that was already pretty good last year should be able considerably improved there's i mean i get it like it doesn't i understand that in a superficial uh insert uh hopkins for beckham and insert uh uh, you know Murray for 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 Mayfield. You can make the comparisons, but I don't. But I, I just I don't think the husk of the argument is actually. I, I it feel they feel very different situations. I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. All right, you sort of touched on it, but we'll we'll get you out of here on this. What is a uh, what is a good season for the like? What is what's the floor? What's the ceiling? What is a successful season for the Arizona Cardinals? Because I think they probably fall in like a 
poor no not the bills but they they sort of fall in the same vein as like uh maybe i'm trying to think of an example here but it's like it's like if maybe i don't want to say the Bengals either there's not really a great slot to put them in but like if kyler has a great season and they go seven to nine that's not a bad year right I don't. I don't think so. Though I think that will lead. If he has a, if he takes a big step forward and they go seven to nine, I'm going to go under the assumption that the defense did not like something went wrong. Yeah. Uh, with the defense and they're and they're going to have to work on that. If Murray takes the big step forward, even in that tough division, I don't like. I think the ceiling. I, mean, I listen. The ceiling. I think they could win the division. I don't. I, don't, I would yeah. not like. I do. I think. I think they could. I think that's the ceiling. The floor is. Assuming that Murray doesn't get hurt, that obviously changes the the, the sure. whole thing. The though, for what it's worth, uh, I, I know I'm sure you're very excited to talk about this topic. But boy, I think Colin Kaepernick makes a lot of sense if Murray gets hurt on this team. I think that actually that's like a totally logical uh, yeah, thing. Well, and the economic or the the political climate in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, that's a whole. Uh, we, we, should we talk about that? Let's talk about that for a little. Some of that. Yeah, let's do that. What do you think, Diva? Hey, listen. Arizona's turning blue, baby. So we'll see. Uh, anyway, point is, is that, um, uh, if Murray gets hurt and also, or also the fact that like, who knows what this NFL season is going to look like, sure. that like all of the, the, all the break glass in case of emergency craziness that could happen, we allot for all that. But if, if, if he stays healthy and takes a step forward that you expect, I think the floor, the floor is, Seven and nine because the defense has collapsed. But if the defense takes a step forward, I think this is uh, above five hundred team at the minimum. I I agree with you, and I think I love the over for the Cardinals this year. I think it's climbed up mm-hmm. a little bit. I think the one. This is one of those teams too where you have to. It, the the expectations is what almost concerns me more than anything. Is that people if if the hype does get to the point where people are like, hey, the Cardinals need to go, you know, like. Worst case, you know, it's not always exponential growth in the NFL because it's just, it's random and it's lucky and all of that. But I, I, I think so. like if they win less than seven games, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. And, and boy, that's a, that's a nice place to be, to be honest. A, uh, and, and that's the thing too. And again, this is why I emphasized before, this is just the start for Murray. Right. Like the point is, is even like seven would be a two, a two and a, I guess I gave it a half improvement because uh, they were five to one. Thank you, Matt year. Patricia. Yes, yes. Um, but if they go, yes. But if they go seven, and then the 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 problem with seven, the only problem, real problem with seven, is by next year, by twenty twenty one, you'd like to see this be the favorite or one of the real obvious favorites in the division. You'd like to see Murray be the MVP, the top MVP guy. You'd like to see that, like by year three. You kind of feel like they should be fully weaponized. Uh, okay. Uh, Will Leach, a uh, great friend of the program. Appreciate you coming on, buddy. Um, also a listener, long time, long time listener. So thank you for your support. You can, uh, can you pre-order your book? Not yet. Not yet. I have a book coming out next, uh, assuming there is in fact a now, next well, tell, summer. Here, what's the deal on the book? It's, it's a novel. I sold, I sold a novel. It has nothing to do with sports. Very yeah. off brand. It's called Lucky, right? It's called Lucky. Yes. It takes place here in Athens, Georgia. Uh, huh? it's, uh, and, uh, I, I, and, but yeah, so I just sold it. I, you know, I've always wanted, it's always been a life goal of mine to sell a novel in during a pandemic and period <laughs> of un, time of unprecedented social change. So, uh, hey, I just timed it perfectly. But uh, yeah, so it's being published by HarperCollins uh, next June, and I still write for New York Magazine. I write for New York Magazine every week, uh, and, and I write for MLB.com. And uh, I have a piece in the New York Times about the Segway that uh, ho- I hopefully I think went up during this podcast. So read my piece about the death of the Segway in the New York Times. And you should, if you have not, uh, go check out Will's Twitter feed at William F. Leach, and you can see, uh, like you're writing about older, like you're writing about like. like 
because you, you, you can't write about what's happening on the baseball field right now because yeah. nothing's yeah. happening. Um, but you, you've been you've been doing like lookbacks, like Vince Coleman. You wrote about it. I, yeah, I mean, and I wrote about like certain years, like 1981, for example. Better than you remember series. Yeah, one yeah. that we were talking about. Yeah, uh, Vince Coleman. We have Gary Gaetti. Uh, so ah, he's yeah. coming out next week, and uh, when, uh, when, Terry when, Pendleton. We, Terry Pendleton. Terry Pendleton. Ah, that's the one. Yes, man, yeah. I love Terry Pendleton. When are you going to profile Mark Lemke? I'm on it. Well, there's about to be, hopefully, actual baseball games. True. So uh, I'm crossing my fingers that I'll actually have uh, certain baseball things to actually write about, though. Uh, well, we're, we got a month to go before we find out about that. Yeah. Well, knock on wood, we need baseball. We really need football. I personally need football. Um, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. This is fun. Of course. My pleasure. Be safe, man. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.